This is Patricia Keel, and you're listening to the Oneness Program on Oneness FM. And I'm so happy today to have a really dear friend from Colorado who uh, was back at Oneness University with me in January of 2010. We were both in the trainer's course together. And it's just a great blessing for me to be able to have an opportunity to spend an hour with you, Dan, and to have your gift of spirit here on our program today. So welcome, 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 Dan. Thank you so much, Patricia. I'm really blessed to have this uh, opportunity to speak with your audience and to reconnect with you. It's been it's been a while since we were um, in the same adventures in India, and uh, I'm just looking forward to sharing what's going on. Beautiful. Well, one of the things you use the word that I think of when I when I just see your your face in my mind's eye and that's adventure because we we had a bit of an adventure when we were in India which is an aside from this program but I know um, that that is a, a part a big part of who you are you have a deep adventurous spirit and I suppose anybody who's going off to India has that at some level but <laughs> one of the one of the things that I've really enjoyed in doing these interviews with oneness trainers and oneness blessing givers is asking you how you found the oneness blessing or for many people it's how the oneness blessing found you so i wonder if you could share that with our listeners kind of giving them a snapshot of what was going on in your life what your life was like and um, we'll unfold our interview and find out what it's like now i'm happy to um in 2007 i was um first of all for your audience to know i'm an attorney uh, for about 20 years, I was uh, uh, practicing plaintiffs' class action antitrust litigation with my firm in Washington, D.C., and, and I, after I moved to Colorado, I continued in that law practice. And uh, so we were in litigation against major corporations, uh, uh, very intense uh, legal practice, and I was also very politically engaged and trying to understand what was happening on the planet, not just in in the micro world of politics, but also globally, what was happening with climate change and all these forces that were seemingly um, converging. Uh, in, and at that time, in 2007, it was, it was really a, a, a kind of a negative uh, view that I had of really fear-based, I would say. And, and, and partly based on my, my training as a lawyer. I'm always trained to look out for um, what's on the horizon and, and do risk-benefit calculations, and and I'm used to doing that for clients, and it had sort of gotten me into a contraction phase in my life where I really wasn't sure how this was all going to play out on uh, the world stage and also in, in America. So... I was I was in a pretty dark place really and and I couldn't figure it out. I just, you know, I couldn't map it out. And uh, at at some point I just sort of gave up and surrendered to not knowing. And for me as you know, in my training and my lifelong experience, that was a that was a major step. Wow, I'd say that'd be uh, a huge step. <laughs> yeah. And so what happened was very interesting. <laughs> uh, not long after I, uh, and I've, I'm retracing this, going backwards. I've, you know, I've fit these pieces together. Uh, not long after that, that sort of surrender, 
there was a, um, a program that came to my consciousness at, of all places, the Unity Church in Boulder. Yay, Unity. <laughs> and th- this program was called The Power of Now and the Mayan Calendar. Ooh. And it just seemed so um, interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I, I've, you know, I'm a long, long, um, I have a long connection with Ram Dass, uh, from the 1970s, and I was one of the first um, TM practitioners in in Kansas, and and um, so Eckhart Tolle's work was was uh, an important transition for me as well, a, a logical transition from Ram Dass. So so it just was interesting to me. So I went to this program, and as it turns out, um, and I was tra- starting to explore the the Mayan. Uh, prophecies and just the 2012 phenomena it was fun to me and it turns out the program itself was not really why I was there yeah funny how the world works like that isn't it (laughs) see how that works (laughs) why you think you're there is not why you're there because uh, why I was really there is in in preparation for the program I read this book 2012 the prophecies and mysteries of 2012 I I don't remember the exact title but um, and it was a fascinating book uh, full of thinkers from all different disciplines about the 2012 phenomena and there was a chapter in the book written by Arjun Arda about the oneness plus and about the oneness university and that just captured it it just was like I was on a a track to try and uh, find out more about this process and shortly after the program this workshop I'm at home and lo and behold what comes in my mailbox uh, the sounds true catalog it sounds true publishing had published this book and in the Sounds True catalog, there was a link to a program being held in at the um, Omega Institute in New York on the Oneness Blessing. And that fall, I uh, attended that program. First of all, it I read the book, uh, Awakening into Oneness, and that book just changed everything for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Shortly thereafter, I attended the, the conference, the workshop in in New York, received the Oneness Blessing for the first time in an intensive setting, uh, three-day workshop, um, Ananda Giriji was there. Was that with Ronnie G? And Ananda Ronnie, Ronnie G was there, and um, Arjuna and his wife were there. Beautiful. And so it was just a, it was an amazing um, opening for me. Now, you have to understand, I'm at the same time, I'm still in my uh, litigation practice. Um, so there's my professional world, and my family world. I have three children. Uh, my wife is not a blessing giver. She, she is only connected to the oneness processes through me. And um, and she had no idea about, you know, the power of the oneness processes. But she did um, agree as our uh, wedding anniversary gift to send me to this conference in New York. Wow. So that was a real gift. What a blessing. And wow. um, so at the, at the end of this workshop, I am just um, starting to shift in every way possible. And wanting to go to India, but at the time it was a 21-day process, as you probably recall. And, mm-hmm. and this was in 2008, or excuse me, two, 2007. So I'm thinking, well, there's just no way for me to go to India, you know, for what really amounts to 30 days, right? And leave everything that I have going on. I had major litigation going on in the U.S. and so, at the conference, they announced that they were opening up a new center uh, on Fiji, and that it was going to be a nine-day process. So, 
that suddenly became possible. But um, I continued to allow these forces to really um, move through me as I was still in my my law practice, and there were profound changes going on. Uh, long story short, my law practice started to wind down. I had uh, a, a case that actually went to trial in Portland um, in 2008 and, and seemed like, well, there's just no way for me to even go to Fiji because I was heavily into this, this case. And then it just kind of went dormant. Huh. It ju- and the judge who was, who was famous for calling up the lawyers on a Friday and saying you need to be in Oregon on Monday for a hearing and I mean just everything was a forced march with him he just went completely quiet so I took that opportunity to to say I'm going to Fiji (laughs) and uh, so I did I went to Fiji and that experience a very intense Experience. I was initiated as blessing giver there. Um, had had very deep, profound clearing experiences there, and decided at that time to reorient my legal practice. Really? Yes, I had been thinking about it for a number of years, but really not. Uh, you know, had had no idea how it would work. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't thinking about it in this way. I was just thinking about changing the the practice somehow. And um, I had already moved to Boulder at that point, but it came became clear to me through a connection with Bhagwan that um, the message came through clearly. Begin it now. There's a quotation by Goethe, the mm-hmm. German philosopher: "Just begin it now. When you begin it now, all these forces that are out in the universe." your allies really are waiting to help you but you have to begin and so I just started beginning I I made up some business cards it came through to me that my new law practice should be called evolutionary law mm-hmm. and I made up business cards and started just opening up my intentions to how that might work and uh, the the great eco philosopher Thomas Berry. I don't know if you're. Oh familiar. yes, absolutely. Uh, Read him Father, with Matt Fox. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, Father Thomas Berry came into my consciousness in a major way, and he really had given me this what Bhagwan calls the bird's eye view mm-hmm. of what's happening in the world. I was stuck in the worm's eye view yeah. for so long, trying to parse through what's happening on an individual basis. And he gave, Thomas Berry gave me an evolutionary perspective to what's happening on the planet with humanity. And it became clear to me that the rights of nature were an important um, opening that I needed to focus on. And so it my law practice evolved to one attempting to bring the rights of nature and humanity into balance. How that's, beautiful, Dan. That's just extraordinary. <laughs> so that's where it, it started to shift, and I left my law practice, my litigation practice, at the end of 2008, embarked on this evolutionary law venture. And I've been expanding ever since. So beautiful. So oneness really, I mean, talk about transformation. You, you've you really made a completely different shift in terms of uh, what you're doing in the world, but it sounds so much like it evolved out of who you are, connecting at a deeper level with who you really are. Uh, very, very yes. powerful. So you went to Fiji. How did you... And, and it sounds like, you know, I often talk about how the Oneness Blessing found us. It's definitely, that was definitely the case for you. You know, you sort of followed the breadcrumbs to go to the workshop and to read the book and then to go to Omega. 
and then to go to Fiji, you know, you're really ready to do the, begin it, you know, the, the follow what the Goethe quote is all about. How then has this shift been experienced for you in terms of the physicality of it? Um, let's start there, and then I'd like to have you share a bit about relationships, because I know you have kids, and, you know, that's always something people are, are asking about. Um, it's yeah. clear it's changed your work life, but how how are you experiencing it um, in in the sense of sensations in the physical body? What is that for you? Well, the profound shifts that were happening immediately after I was in New York, and then of course Fiji, began as as these sensations of rolling periods of bliss. Uh, rolling bliss i yeah. love it <laughs> <laughs> you know uh not not constant by any means but just rolling in and out and and absolute clarity there began a period while i was still in my litigation practice where clarity of of presence really became uh, more and more prominent in my consciousness. Now, again, when I talk about these things, it's, it's not 24-7, mm-hmm. you know, but, it, but sharp enough and long enough that they were definitely noticeable and, and lengthening in terms of the, the amount of time that they were present. And so being present, and when I say that, I mean in the present moment mm-hmm. without a lot of moving back and forth from future to past, that has been noticeable, right? It's become more and more a part of my life. Now, along with that has come a much uh, greater experience of silence in varying degrees if that's if that's understandable mm-hmm. silence is is sometimes not absolute but it is so quiet that even though you hear thought at a very slight level it's just passing through it's so quiet that it it's not even it doesn't capture my attention that has also been um, very noticeable right that it it's longer and longer periods of time during the day when silence in varying degrees is present beautiful so how now you said you've been active in TM for a number of years so as far you had a deep spiritual practice and were you a regular meditator was that a part of what you did on a daily basis yes and and there were periods of time you know in my life when that went more dormant Mm -hmm. uh, and I sort of went back to sleep so to speak Mm -hmm. but um, but meditation has been a, a central part of my life since I was probably 19 and um, and it really changed my life. Uh, TM was in in relation to what I was experiencing through Ram Das and the book Be Here Now, and those openings for me were were working together with meditation to really reorient my uh, my consciousness uh, when I was still in Kansas and and sent me on my way into the next period of my life. So uh, meditation has always been a profound uh, influence in my life. And I, and I use all kinds of different forms of meditation. I like to take the best of what I find in life, whatever it is, and not be too dogmatic about one particular uh, approach and just try to see what resonates with me and what doesn't. And so various forms of meditation are part of my practice. Uh, various forms of yoga are part of my practice. Kundalini yoga has, has been important to my life really since I was in Fiji. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Guru Singh led the yoga sessions in Fiji at, for the Oneness University at that time. And I've, I've been connected with Guru Singh's practice ever since. So these things have all played together for me. This is really, it's, it's interesting to me because I interviewed Peter Beach. And I, do you know Peter? I do not. Peter Beach um, is, he lives in Marin County where I live in California. Peter Beach is a longtime TM meditator since 75. I think he was a trainer in TM. He's also a lawyer. <laughs> oh. And he is the lawyer for Oneness University as well. So it's just interesting to because I never made the connection before, you know. And it and in my interview with Peter, which I invite you to listen to on the Oneness FM station, uh, you know, he talks about this integration because so many people think of they don't look at lawyer and meditation practice in the same field at all. You know, they sort of see that right. mental quality of the lawyer as a very different um, energy than someone who's deeply involved in meditation, especially when you talk about yoga and the kundalini. And so I love this because I think this really invites people into a different knowing about how the presence of the divine and how these higher realms of consciousness, which, which oneness phenomena is, is calling forth right now, how they really um, are part of our everyday awakening experience. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a lawyer or a massage therapist or, you know, a writer. Or a, it doesn't matter. Um, it's not about how you show up in the world at all. So I love this. It's very, very beautiful. Thank you so much, Dan. It's great to, uh, to have you on the show. So talk a little bit more about this. Um, you, you mentioned the idea of how the silence, and I'm just, you know, I'm seeing this picture of your head <laughs> it's kind of like and up there and it's just like there's not a lot up there every once in a while a thought kind of travels by but it's very still how does that integrate for you with the practice of law as as you're practicing it right now in your life well it's it's an a critical part of what I'm trying to um, reveal to others in the legal profession. Ah, beautiful. And, it, and not just on an individual level, meaning how can lawyers experience silence and presence in their, their daily activity and their practice of law, but at a really at a global level because what I'm trying to reveal to people is that laws are themselves the product of intentions they are they are energetic entities laws resonate mm. they resonate in lower consciousness or in higher consciousness and the way in which we are going to evolve our legal systems, laws at the local level, laws at the international level, the way to do that is to access what is now emerging as a, as a scientific principle, but has been known at some levels of consciousness for some time, which is now known as the newosphere or right. the, the thinking layer of consciousness. I, I started a company, and again, this was something that came through me. I started a company a few years ago. It's called Mind Drive Ventures, and it was based on the, the concept that the mind drive as I understood it in my own way of looking at it, the mind drive is that is the field. Mm -hmm. It is the field where all knowledge is present. What we see as past, present, and future knowledge. And that we can access that, that field. That's what 
you know, Einstein said, you know, his some of his greatest discoveries weren't from his thinking mind. It was, it was from the field. Right. Right. And and now we're accessing the field in many different ways. But to do that, I, the the motto of Mind Drive is that the doorway to that to the Mind Drive is the present moment. The present moment is where we can access that information that we need. Now, now all of this is, we all start from where we are, right? Mm-hmm. And so everyone has varying degrees of, of periods of silence and means of getting there. And there's all these, all these philosophers and all these spiritual teachers out there giving us all these different kinds of uh, tools to be in the present moment. And I'm trying to connect that to not just the legal profession, but others around the world who are working on sustainability issues, for example. How can we find the solutions to these problems that, that are present in the world? Mm-hmm. Well, the solution is to find more and more ways to access the noosphere or the field. Right. That's where it will come from. Right. And so that's how that connection between the personal, the individual, and the the global happens for me. So um, that's the best way I can explain it. I don't. I don't know if I've done very well. No, no, no. Listen, it's very. I. I I'm very. Um, I'm definitely with you on this, and you know, just so many thoughts are are flying across my field Um, but what feels like the right thing right now is to ask you to lead us and all of our listeners in a oneness blessing to really invite all of us to go more deeply into the presence in this present moment Uh, so I would invite you to do that and you know whatever way you would like to Dan and just for our listeners if you're tuning in for the first time to know that the phenomenon of the oneness blessing will find you wherever you are if you're able to sit and uh, to gently close your eyes and relax your physical body as Dan offers this blessing that is great if you happen to be listening on a podcast you're driving in your car you're doing going about your day on your iPad or your iPod or your i whatever that is fine too because the oneness blessing has its way of finding you wherever you are so dan i'd love it if you would lead us in the blessing and then i'll join you and we will give our listeners the powerful phenomenon of oneness i'm glad to so if you can just sit comfortably with your spine as erect as is comfortable, close your eyes and just focus on your breathing. Breathing in, nourishment, breathing out all your concerns, all your cares about what's happening in your world. And if you will place your hands over your heart and just breathe in to your heart. And recognize that your heart is your connection to the field, the divine, the universe, breathing in that connection, breathing it out. Now, 
we're going to experience diksha by our connection to the divine. Breathing in through your heart, find whatever that divine connection is for you. Whether it's Christ or the Buddha, consciousness itself, whatever that connection is, allow it to be present in every cell of your being. Breathing it in. Then I'm going to ask the divine to give Diksha to us all. through as grace moving through each one of us in just the most right, unique auspicious and special way so we say thank you divine presence I'm reminding you you're listening to the oneness program on oneness fm this is Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel, and I'm here today with Dan from Boulder. And gee, it's been really very um, fascinating for me to listen to you speak about your your practice. And it it sounds to me, just from what you've described, that your experience with oneness has really catapulted you into a different field of grace and knowing relative to not only the law but simply also Dan who you are in the world I mean it feels to me as if you it's like something inside you kind of exploded (laughs) I don't know whether you feel it or not but I really feel it's like you know this is a man who had a very strong grounding in the law and you obviously were successful in what you were doing but all of a sudden what you're talking about now the impact of what this could mean when you're talking about laws being um, you know what I got was kind of that a law is like a structure in the field it's like a a particular thought form it can be a higher consciousness a lower consciousness and that we can we can mold it and shape it based on what our consciousness is and we can tap into those higher realms of thought form consciousness that the divine is creating for us those patterns mm-hmm. um, I just I just think what you're doing and how you're going about it is quite extraordinary and I think that this the reason I think it's so extraordinary is I think this is the kind of experience that many people who are tapping into the field of oneness and grace are experiencing in their lives where the things that they were doing at one level all of a sudden just get exponentially uh, expanded into a much greater field and that's really what oneness is it's like your microcosm you all of a sudden you realize your microcosm is the macrocosm why not play there you know <laughs> yeah. like, so exactly which is which is where some uh, professions uh, find it difficult yeah because they have been so used to playing only in that 
um, individual mm-hmm. world and their own consciousness and not seeing how their profession can relate to the oneness, unity consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And how it not just relates in a philosophical way, but in an actual uh, energetic and principled way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So are there um, are there groups of lawyers that are tuned in with you here? Are you like clapping there with how many hands are clapping? <laughs> <I'm> like... <laughs> Well, it's not exactly the one one hand clap. Well, definitely, I know, I know that. <laughs> uh, no, I I have uh, become connected to groups around the planet that are uh, Thomas Berry's work really spawned uh, a, a group that is focused on what's called Earth jurisprudence, mm. and that's really focused on the rights of nature. Beautiful, yeah. Bringing legal rights to nature, and they're. It's expanding in the world. Uh, Ecuador has the first constitution on the planet with actual legal rights for nature and that are enforceable. And Bolivia just came out with a new law of Mother Earth, and so that is that's really moving into the world quite quickly. Um, and so I'm tapped into that, and then I'm tapped into a group of people that are really focused more broadly on sustainability issues. I'm kind of in the in the netherworld some, uh, somewhere, um, mm-hmm. focused on my own uh, path, and and it's very interesting because while there's no one out there that I I see, doesn't mean that they don't exist. But mm-hmm. I, there's no one out there that I see that is talking about laws in the same way that I do. Mm-hmm. But Everyone that I talk to in these areas is is quite open to it. So that, to me, is a sign that consciousness is really expanding and finding connections. And they don't always have to be um, already uh, known. Some people are are finding it easier to just be open. To the possibilities that exist, and to see what's next. Mm. So it's, in a sense, it's different than what we think of as environmental law, um, and we don't need to get into a major conversation about the distinctions there. But I'm really hearing you coming from a very different place. Um, yes, it's do, broader than environmental. Yeah, definitely. Well, and also, I, you know, immediately what, what. I'm sitting here looking out my window and just looking at the trees out there and I'm thinking, you know, there's there's a law that's a natural law that we all participate in and somehow in our culture we've sort of adopted laws that are almost contrary to those natural laws and expect them to work somehow, which is, yeah. you know, a great delusion for many of us when they don't. Um, yes. So I, I like to look at it as... You know, humanity has come through. The evolution of humanity has been where it it found, it formed laws in service of what I call dominion, dominion over nature, right. mm-hmm. and that was all for survival. Yeah. It was all a, a necessary uh, fact. And now we're finding that our survival is going to come from what I call communion mm-hmm. with nature, mm-hmm. and that's working in harmony with nature's laws, not imposing our own will on nature. And so my practice is focused on finding ways to make laws work in flow with those natural laws and less in just in resistance Mm. to the old uh, patterns. And so it's really about movement and consciousness and, and We'll see. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, this has been really interesting. To, you know, I'm just fascinated by what you're doing and talking about. And, and I, I think this would be a, a, a good time in our program to maybe shift gears a little bit mm-hmm. and move to a more, um, a more personal level of your experience with the Oneness Blessing. It, it's clear in your, um, in your gifted area 
in service and in in your career in the world that the oneness blessing has had a huge impact for you and that you're bringing it out into the world in your own unique and extraordinary way and also that you said you have three children i'm wondering how in terms of relationships just very personal relationships without you know talking about family members in a way that that is not appropriate here on the air but how are you experiencing your relationships um, in a different way since you've been involved in oneness well I have to tell you that um, one of the sort of subtle uh, motivations for me to to find the oneness blessing was that period of contraction that I talked about was also a period of contraction in my relationships, my family relationships. Uh, you know, the dharma of parenting and mm. and being in a marriage. And that family dharma is one of the most challenging roles that we can have in life. And this, I'm speaking from my own experience of course mm -hmm. but so that was a motivation for me to try to find some way to become more conscious in parenting and in my relationship with my wife and just with all family uh, dynamics become less triggered by old patterns and and uh, so that's been a that's just been a real um, kind of a roller coaster ride so to speak because when you when you first enter into this path there's so much excitement around all of the changes that are happening personally and physically in your consciousness that you you want to there's a natural desire to share that with everybody that's important mm -hmm. to you and that desire can slip into um, a desire to make their path your path, or to make your, your path, path their, their path. path. Yeah, is probably more. <laughs> you mean closer. there might be a little control right? issue there? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that's you know, I I, yeah. I acknowledge that that happened. Mm -hmm. um, not. Out of not out of um, you know dark controlling right, motives, no, no. Yeah. but more out of uh, just sheer excitement that this is so important to me, right. and wanting wanting it to be important mm -hmm. to the other members of my family. Now, you know, my children. I have a 21 year old daughter, 15 year old son, and a 10 year old son. So they're all in different. I mean, they're always in transition. Every every oh, member gosh. of my family is yeah. always in transition, <laughs> and so uh, it's a challenge, you know, how to how to be um, in the world but not of the world, uh -huh. right? To be conscious but not um, be so immersed in those dynamics that um, old ways of interacting take charge and of course that controlling mechanism is one of my old ways you know I'm a lawyer you're a <laughs> lawyer for gosh sakes <laughs> right um, and so um, I've had to work through that and it's it's been a process where um, more and more I've come to the realization that my wife's path is not my path. My path is not her path. Mm -hmm. Put it that way. And that my my children have their own way of of expressing that I'm trying now to just move more in the flow with and less in direction mm -hmm. of. Right? And to and it's become interesting how more and more I'm I'm able to experience the other, right? Instead of trying to understand and and control those relationships, more more often now I'm able to just experience those relationships. And when I can do that, 
then and allow them to be, allow them to be as they are, mm -hmm. then it's just been much smoother and much more. Um, so it's a work in progress. It always is, and I'm sure it always will be. Yeah. And that's the best way I can put it. It's it's really the Dharma is is to just be present and allow things to be as they are. That's what I'm working on. Well, and I can see how, um, you know, as a parent, because I'm a parent too, and I, I, I notice, um, you know, my daughter was very um, vocal in terms of how different I was after I got very, very involved in oneness. And especially after I came back from our trainer's uh, our trainers experience in January of 2010 and I, a lot of it was this willingness it wasn't even it was not a conscious thing and I think this may be what you're talking about too when you talk about experiencing your family members and your children and your wife as opposed to trying to direct or somehow guide which traditionally is a lot of what the parents role is you know is to be a guide and to be a, a mentor and to be um, you know the one who shows and demonstrates um, and I and I think that's part of the balance that happens as a parent when you become aware of the field of oneness and the grace and the perfection of every moment you have to also say okay this child that I might perceive is acting out or they're doing the you know they're making bad choices or whatever it is that there's in this moment there's some perfection in that as well and it can be a challenge as a parent to not Very difficult. go back into the old patterns of, of needing to control it or, um, and to know how to respond from a place of heart connection and a place of love. And from that, like you say, the mind drive, the field of all knowing, <laughs> how do we respond, respond from that place instead of the driven behavior, the compulsive behavior that we've been essentially taught in our culture and perhaps by our own parents yes so it's a beautiful thing and i know that you're a trainer um and in in your in your uh blessed work i call it work but it's somehow i know you don't think it's work any more than i think it's work it's such a gift to be able to do these oneness awakening courses with people mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure that you have experienced this parent process that we do is such a deep and powerful thing for people. Yes, and uh, powerful for me yeah. as well. And there's a tendency to think that, well, once you've gone through those processes, uh, 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 that they're sort of done. Right? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> They're, they're not done. Oh, no. You know, they, it, it continues to surprise me. And and yet, if you think about it, those relationships, the relationships with parents and children are so profound. And they have such energy around them, ancient energy around them, that um, it makes sense that they're not really done. You know, it's just you... You continue to learn how um, how it fits in the broader uh, context, the broader oneness context. And they're they're no longer your parents in the sense of that relationship, that power relationship. And they're more on a soul relationship. And so, you know, oneness teaching or leading really oneness processes. It's really a learning process as well, always. Now, are you um, are you doing courses now in Boulder? I know there are many, many blessing givers in your area. You, uh, when you came back, and you and Matt Licata uh, came back in January, you must have been on a whirlwind initiating people because I think Boulder has a huge number of blessing givers now. Yeah, per capita, it's it's um, it's a very a concentrated area and um, yes when we came back from India we were leading and you remember that the courses were changing yes I do very <laughs> rapidly and 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 once we you know we 
understood that that's just the process. It was just accelerating so rapidly. We were we were initiating a lot of people, um, running lots of different courses, and then for me, I went into a period where I really needed to focus on my family life. I mm-hmm. I found it necessary for me to just let let the 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 leadership aspects of my oneness practice uh, go for a, a short while, mm-hmm. and so I did that. And then um, now I've I've started to reemerge, and I'm I'm not leading bhakti yoga classes or or oneness awakening courses, but I'm formulating my um, my connection to what's next. Mm. And what it is, I, I've been. Um, I am about to to launch a series of of groups that are really evolutionary oneness circles. Mm. And it's not complete yet in my in my mind or in my my subtle being yet as to how those are going to be, but it's it's going to be using oneness processes to connect people to the to the, the their evolutionary journey and how that can be brought back into their their own family life their own professional life to integrate all those different parts of their lives into a oneness journey beautiful because a lot of times i think we we tend to look at these things in in separate channels. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the spiritual life. There's and you know, oneness processes tend to be seen in that way. There's the family life. There's the professional life. And these things are not separate. No, they're not. They're completely um, interrelated. And the more that we can integrate them the more they move together and the faster we expand. That's my, that's my own view. Uh, so I'm about to do that. Uh, probably in the next couple of weeks I'll, I'll put the finishing touches on what that's going to look like and I'll start making uh, the announcements and we'll see what happens. Beautiful. Well, you know, uh, we're near the end of the program, and I want to um, have another opportunity to offer the oneness blessing to all of our listeners. But just to kind of put a little comment on what you said, I, I love this idea that you're that you're launching, and you know, perhaps we'll have another show when you've got this up and running, and maybe have a chance for for you to interview some of the people who are part of this. But it, it's clear to me in just doing the interviews I, I've been doing now uh, that different people have, that the impact of the oneness blessing and the phenomena really ignites people in different areas of their lives. You know, for you, the law, the, your practice was what got ignited and, and really tra- the transformation happened in that area. Other people, for other people, the transformation, there's a readiness perhaps in a particular relationship that then it start, it moves through them in that area first. And then it, it sort of permeates out into all aspects of their life experience. So it will be really interesting to see how your, your course or your circles evolve um, because I think what you're doing is you're addressing it in many different areas and the whole idea of a circle is just what it is you know ever expanding no uh, no end no beginning so blessings on that journey Dan and I appreciate your being with us today I think what we'll do is we'll we'll close the show with a oneness blessing so I'm going to invite you once again to lead us in the blessing and then at the end of the blessing, we'll, we'll uh, give grace for that blessing and then move into some music, and that will be the end of our time together. So I'm going to give you my gratitude. Thank you, thank you for being with us on the show today and invite you to lead us into a final oneness blessing, if you will. And before I do that, I just want to thank you, Patricia, for 
not just the opportunity, but the opening that you're providing to people um, through this heart-centered work that you do. It's just a beautiful thing. Thank so, you, Dan. Thank you. If we can all just allow the present moment to be as it is, that's where the divine resides. And our connection to the divine can be made moment to moment. So if we can just reconnect with appreciation and gratitude in the heart for everything that we've been given. And experience the blessing. grace-filled divine beings who surround us and bless us, to that living Christ presence, to the Buddha nature, to Amabhagwan, Wankantanka, the great spirit, divine presence, higher power, by whatever name you choose to call it, we give thanks. And you're listening to the Oneness Program on Oneness FM. Tune in again soon. Thank you so much, Dan. Namaste, everyone. Namaste, Patricia. Thank you. Thank you.